the reality of being on the road is that you're grinding like a normal person. You're in a hotel room or a work environment or a co-working space trying to hustle, but you're in a super cool place with really interesting people and you get to have some really great adventures along the way. This is Debbie and welcome to another episode of Beat Off Beat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to become location independent. We'll learn how to create sustainable laptop lifestyles from the experts that will help us achieve freedom from our nine to five. Hey friend, are you looking to land a remote gig ASAP? Well, did you know that we not only have a ton of online jobs you can apply to on our site, but now we are also sending them straight to your inbox. I'm happy to announce that we will be sending our email subscribers legit online jobs every Wednesday. We have done hours of research so you don't have to. If you want to be the first one to hear about the remote gigs we find, go to theoffbeatlife.com to subscribe. On this week's episode, I speak with Chapin, who is an online entrepreneur and podcaster who has lived primarily in Nicaragua since 2005, running surf tours. Over the last five years, he has been podcasting and starting online businesses. His podcast is called Misfits and Rejects, where he talks about lifestyle design of expats, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. Listen on to find out how Chapin has created a unique online business as a surfer. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited to be here with Chapin. Hi, how are you? Hey, Debbie, how are you? I am wonderful. Can you tell us a little bit more about you and why you live an offbeat life? Well, I found myself just young and excited to travel. And once I got that first taste of, I'd say, life on the road or life as an expat, it really sort of solidified a, a lifestyle that I wanted to pursue. And from that moment on, I just started trying to design my life in a way that I could maintain myself in like another country or a life on the road. And it's been kind of my mission for the last, I don't know, I'd say 15, 20 years. And then the last five, I've really started honing in on like the online business side of things and trying to make my life location independent through that. When was the moment when you finally realized when you had your aha moment that you wanted to go into this lifestyle full time and kind of ditch your regular life, the regular job and start traveling the world and start your own business? The online moment came for me when I had visited my friend in Costa Rica and uh, he was living in this little jungle hut on the beach in Puerto Viejo, Costa Rica. And I just saw how simple the life was and it really was just in line with my value systems and how I wanted to design my life. So that was really my aha moment. And then having gone through years of, of making businesses in Nicaragua and like Central America, third world countries, it was a great lifestyle. And I really liked that lifestyle. But I had my second aha moment when I came across Pat Flynn searching online how to become like more location dependent for my job you know, create passive income. And when I stumbled into this world of being di- a digital nomad and making money online, the light bulb went off. And that was like more of a sustainable model I felt for me and what I really wanted out of life. How did you decide what you actually wanted to do, right? Because when you look online, even going into articles and podcasts and everything else in between, there's so many different options that you're given. 
but then it becomes paralysis of analysis because it's too much. How did you do that? How did you decide what was right for you? Well, Pat Flynn became a really huge influence on me and I was just listening to every single podcast he did, absorbing all his information and still really striving with the goal to create passive income. I really wanted to generate like 500 bucks a month through online something that was passive because that was what I really kind of needed to sustain myself on the road in a lot of these places like Thailand or whatever. And so he first started talking about ebooks. So my mind started going in that direction. And then I heard a podcast he did with David Seitman Garland about creating online courses. And once I heard that, like every cell in my body said, that's what you should do. Create an online course with a subject that I know really well, which was surfing at the time or is still. So I just started going down that path. And I mean, it took way longer than I expected. <laughs> My goal was to start generating passive income through an online course within like six months of learning about how to build an online course. And then in the end, it took, you know, two and a half years and, you know, three more years of trying to figure out how to market it to uh, actually generate, you know, passive income through it. Well, it's incredible that you heard about this and then you just dive into it. And I think for a lot of us, we think it's going to take this amount of time and then we realize years later that it's going to take longer than what we had expected it to be. What was that process like? What was the first thing that you did to actually become someone who could create a successful course? Well, I had to go through and learn the tech, th the tech things, you know, that all these salespeople to say is like, oh, it's not that hard. It's not that hard <laughs> to learn how to like use Keynote or use ScreenFlow and I just started chipping away at every single, you know, third party app I needed to create the actual course and try and understand it and figure out how it worked. And so for me, it really became, you know, as you talked about being overwhelmed in the beginning, really just having to focus on one thing at a time because you're, the overwhelm was going to be just so incredible. And I was getting overwhelmed with just, you know, for example, trying to learn keynote. And so I would spend, you know, sometimes months just trying to really master, you know, each app and thing I needed to create my course until I became proficient enough to then put all the pieces together and then start focusing on the content. And that's kind of how it went for me. So how did you actually start launching this? Because you took all of this time to create this product that you hope people would buy, right? What was your strategy like in marketing it? Well, I, so I bought David Seitman Garland's course on how to create awesome online courses. And he kind of took me through like a rough draft of how to market it once it was created. So I kind of started with that rough draft, which was a slow process that wasn't really working. Like I was reaching out to my like YouTube channel subscribers because I didn't really have an email list yet. And then David brought in on his like bonus section of this course, some of his clients who are using different strategies for marketing. And one guy's really just seemed like the path I should take, which was using Facebook ads and a lead magnet. And so I created my lead magnet and I just started marketing my lead magnet and it was like, it went viral. You know, I was getting a wow. hundred new leads a day and that lasted for like nine months. So I was like, I generated close to like 5,000 emails in a very, you know, nine month period. And then once I had those leads and I had my course created, I just started marketing it to my email list through like a, you know, three part video um, series leading up to the actual pitch, all just steps I'd followed through, you know, David's course. And it 
worked to an extent, you know, like I, I guess the only satisfaction I had from it was that I made my money back on what I paid David to, uh, <laughs> you know, learn all this information, but it definitely wasn't like the twenty dollars $30,000 payday that I thought I was going to have. It, it takes a lot of effort and also money to do all of that and to learn it. But now you have all of the skills to really market new courses that you're going to make or will make, right? Absolutely. And also make sure you all check out the extended interview because I'm going to be picking his brain, Chava's brain more about how he created those lead magnets and Facebook ads and how to create a successful course. So we're going to be digging deeper into that with you. <laughs> awesome. Now, let's go back to when you didn't have your ideas yet and you still were confused like most of us before we get into this lifestyle, right? What were you doing before, actually? I love learning people's day jobs before they got into this lifestyle because <laughs> it's always interesting. <laughs> I was actually living in Nicaragua and I had been running surf tours in Nicaragua for quite a few years. And um, times were changing. All the people I loved had left the business that I, we had created together. And it was just time for a lifestyle change. And simultaneously, my mother was, had gotten sick. And so it was time for me to come back to California. So through 2014, I was just kind of like, you know, cruising around California. And then I was desperate to get back on the road. And I was just sitting in California, I had like an odd job just because I had to be in California to be with my mom. And I was just like, I need to get back out there. What, you know, what am I going to do? So that's when I found Pat. I just started Googling. You know, I didn't necessarily want to go back to Nicaragua and I was desperate to get back on the road and then found Pat and I moved straight to Thailand where like, you know, it's, it's kind of Mecca for all the digital nomads yearly. <laughs> Everyone kind of migrates there. And I just started trying to like network and meet people and absorb all of the, the knowledge that they had on like how to become a digital nomad. No, a lot of people really want to get to the point where you are. Right. And we look at all these articles about how to become a digital nomad, how to find work online. But can you tell us what the reality is actually is when you are in this type of lifestyle? What is it like living as a digital nomad? What has your experience been? The good, the bad and the ugly? <laughs> I think the reality is, well, I mean, there's two, two parts of the question, like to get started and then the reality Getting started, you know, you can teach English online. That's, I think, fairly easy for most Americans or Western, you know, English speaking people. So getting into it, like that could be an easy first step. If you don't want to do that and you have a skill set that you can market, like as a freelancer, for example, like you, you, you understand SEO or website design or something like that, that's another barrier to entry that's easy for someone who has that skill set. I mean, if you're like me and you, you didn't have any of those skills, like with to use a computer, then the English, you know, is going to be the obvious option. The reality of being on the road is that all the photos you see of people like with their laptops on a beach under a palm tree writing like, this is my office for the day, like is bullshit. Like most of it <laughs> is sitting in a hotel room, you know, whether you have a desk or not trying to like, you know, get shit done and try to make it work. And it's not as glamorous in the sense of like your work environment as people portray it. However, 
you make your own schedule and you know if you only want to work four hours a day you're usually in a tropical place that you do have a affordable bungalow on the beach that you can walk out and go enjoy the sun and the surf and you know or go for a hike so i think that is more of a realistic picture of like you're grinding like a normal person you're in a hotel room or a work environment or co-working space trying to hustle but you're in a super cool place with really interesting people and you get to have some really great adventures along the way. I think for the most of us who really stick it out in this lifestyle, it's about the freedom, right? Because like you said, it's all BS that we're working by the ocean. Honestly, it would be horrible to do that because first of all, you don't want to get sand on everything. (laughs) And it can get really hot when you're underneath that sun and you're working. That's not very comfortable. And I like to make fun of myself a lot because whenever I have to travel for work, I take those photos and be like, this is actually not reality, guys. This is just for you to want this lifestyle. But everything else is just us grinding on our desk or somewhere that's not as fabulous like you just said. And honestly, I I like to make fun of that a lot. So it's it's pretty cool. (laughs) Absolutely. So now when you, it seems like you've started a few companies and a few businesses and you've been really a nomad for a long time. When you are doing all of these different things that you have done with your life, what has been the biggest setback that you've encountered that really kind of pushed you down and how did you get over it? Learning the tech. I mean, I was in Nicaragua. We didn't have internet. I've never had any interest in computer games or anything like that. Using a computer was just a need to like communicate with family when I was on the road. So my internet use was like, you know, once every few months, just going to an internet cafe and, you know, letting my family know I was still alive. So when it became time and I knew for a fact that this is what I wanted to do, you know, I definitely wanted to create something online, generate passive income, or at least generate something that created a location independent business for myself. I had to go to square one. I got, I bought a laptop. I sat watching YouTube videos on how to use my laptop. I sat, you know, for years on YouTube trying to just learn everything I needed to. And it's still like that to this day. I mean, every, every step of the way, every new thing that I need to, you know, implement or incorporate into, you know, the system that I have, it's a giant learning process for me that I struggle with because it's frustrating because I look at everybody else saying like, oh, like all these millennials like have it you know, (laughs) good because they kind of grew up with it. I was like right at the tail end where it's like, you know, the technology wasn't quite there yet and I didn't have any interest in it to begin with. So I really feel I started from, you know, square one, ground zero and have created over the last five years, at least a high school education with uh, how to use technology and how it all fits together um, within this, you know, online digital nomad space. But I love the fact that you're so determined and also really resilient that even though it took you how many years, you still went with it. You are definitely a learner and you also implement it because I think for a lot of people, it really gets you down, right? Especially when it's something that you're not good at. And it's hard to do that. It's hard to go into something that you don't know a lot about <laughs> and then you keep going it's it's hard to motivate yourself a lot of times when that happens absolutely and i think like you debbie just you know that the freedom and the allure of the road is is a driver and keeps us focused and motivated and you know through those hard times you still like you weigh the options like what am i going to do 
go back and get a nine to five at this point. I'm a 40 year old man. Like I've never had a nine to five aside from like little side jobs to like make ends meet when I need the money. Like it's just for me at this point, not a reality and I have to make it work. You know, it's just, there's no other option at this point. So you stick with it and you grind and you figure it out and you have a lot of down years. And then, you know, with the skills that I've developed, I think, you know, my, my day will come and I just keep grinding and hoping, you know, and definitely it, the alternative of going back to a nine to five is a lot worse than what you're currently facing. So for the most part, that's usually what we think about if we're faced with all of these obstacles. So I definitely get that. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, we all have that what now moment, and I'm sure you've had it too, whether it was throughout the years when you were trying to build this business and then realizing, oh my gosh, have I gone in over my head? What was yours like and how did that go? I mean, I have what now moments every single day <laughs> and I deal with it by like standing up and I walk circles around my kitchen or I go wash the dishes, hoping for like another light bulb moment, another <laughs> sort of idea to come into my head that I can implement. And so yeah, like I said, on a daily, it's it's real. Like, what do I do now? Like, I don't have another question I can ask Google to help me get through this this <laughs> process that I don't understand. And then on a bigger scale, it's like, what now? You know, I've done this five years. And I just spoke about this on my own podcast and it hasn't really worked in the way I thought it would. You know, I generate passive income. It's not $500 a month, but it's still a little bit, which doesn't sustain my life on the road. It more or less just pays for itself. So what now? You know, we just talked about perseverance, which is important, but it's also really important that you know when to fold your hand and, you know, take that thing that you'd created, put it to bed, put it to rest, maybe kill it all together, pivot, change, and start something new. So my what now moment currently is trimming all the fat off of, you know, this little enterprise I've built online, which is uh, surf instruction, surf progression technique, which is online surf instruction for surfers. And automating that so it's like I literally don't do anything anymore and just let it kind of pay for itself and be helpful to all the individuals who want to utilize it and start building something new. Because, yeah, like now at this point, I have the knowledge of creating courses. I have knowledge of marketing. I have knowledge of SEO. I have knowledge of building websites. And now it's time to pivot, transition, and just start anew. So, you know, 2020 is going to be a year of, you know, maybe starting one to two new businesses online, trying to generate a few streams of income, and then and just try to maintain life on the road. <laughs> so where do you see yourself in the next five years? Because you've, like you've said, you've built up this business and maybe you want to pivot. Five years, I see it fully automated. I see multiple flows of income, multiple cash flows coming in from various enterprises I've built or you know online businesses and being, I don't want to say a real or legit digital nomad, but I'm in you know these peer groups with what I consider like real digital nomads who have built very successful businesses and really don't ever have to do the, the side work that I have to do to maintain my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Like that's where I'm going to be in five years. I will be like them, one of them, one of their <laughs> you know peers who has created something more sustainable. I think having a mentor and people around you that understand the hustle and the struggle is so crucial to making this work because it can also get really lonely and it's not like a day job where you have coworkers or a boss that's constantly nagging you to do things or even supporting you. That's why I think having these people around you is, is, it's really crucial. 
Yeah. And that's a good point that I'd like to touch upon because I was like, again, living this fishing village in Nicaragua, trying to be a digital nomad or at least build my first business. And there wasn't any like-minded people around me. I mean, there's tons of entrepreneurs because you have to be entrepreneurial living out of your own country um, and misustaining yourself. But I didn't have anybody to talk to about, you know, how to use screen flow and, you know, what should I do next? And I found this group called the dynamite circle, which is like an international mastermind. And that has been just a game changer. You know, it's just meeting these people and hearing their stories and networking with them and utilizing some of their services that they provide. I mean, that's where I think I really found my tribe, found my group of people that I'm going to stick with and be a part of for a long time to come. Absolutely. And also, I think when you have a podcast like this, where we're interviewing people who are doing something that we want to do, and we get inspired by their story and their journey is also a really great way to create that community as well. That's why I love podcasting, because I get to meet people like you. And it's pretty interesting when you have that type of dynamic as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I went uh, this, I was just in Bangkok recently and, you know, kind of like at that, you know, what next, what now moment and just praying that I had an epiphany (laughs) and it did, it came, you know, day five of, you know, multiple seminars and just networking people talking about their uh, sales funnels and email sequences is like light bulb moment. I get it. Now I know what to do. And then I went up to (laughs) Chiang Mai and I implemented it and it totally didn't work. But it was still, I think, the light bulb moment that I was looking for. And just, yeah, it was great. I wouldn't have had it is the point if I hadn't have been within that network of people. I think it's also just doing something, right? Just a task that somebody pushes you to do. Because even if it doesn't work, at least it got you off your butt to do something productive for a little while. And you don't feel so bad about yourself. And that usually gets you going for the next few weeks or even a few days, which is really helpful. <laughs> It's so true. I mean, like, yeah, like we talked about earlier, being in that hotel room by yourself, not knowing what to ask Google next and just <laughs> at, you know, in front of a wall, not knowing how to get around it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to like kind of lose productivity and get down on yourself. So having that network around you kind of cheering you on, rallying for you, like you can do this, think about it like this. It makes such a difference. So let's talk a little bit more about mental health, because I don't think that's touched up on enough in our industry. What would you say is the one thing that has really been a setback for you in that sense? And how do you usually deal with it? I think for me, like I fell in love with the road a long time ago. And so the road itself for me is just a warm blanket I can wrap myself in. If I have a negative thought, if I feel myself getting depressed, like, oh, I'm not smart enough to do this. I don't know if I'll ever achieve this because, you know, I, I'm not good at technology. There's always, you know, a local, a local pub with some interesting people to go chat mm-hmm. to that just brings me so much peace and joy to like, because I'm on the road and, you know, my podcast is basically similar to yours, which is interviewing interesting expats and people around the world doing, you know, unique things and making a living doing it. So I always have that to fall back on. So I never find myself depressed, I guess, or feeling like something is unaccomplishable. I only feel that way when I come back to the States and I'm just (laughs) like, what am I doing? Like I'm back here again because I have an opportunity (laughs) to always make money back in the States being an American. And it's fairly easy to make, you know, a little bit of side cash in America. So 
when I do come through and I see family and I, you know, spend a month or two making a little bit of money to get myself through the next few months, it's uh, tremendously depressing. And I don't have <laughs> that sort of local bar that I can go talk to an expat at. <laughs> so coming back to the U.S. is your version of being in a nine to five in that sense. <laughs> exactly. I mean, just being in America is like being in the nine to five, just, you know, <laughs> and I don't mean to sound negative towards America. Like it's my home country and there's so many beautiful things about it and beautiful people who live here. And I mean, like I said, it's, it's one of the easiest places to make money if you apply yourself, but it's just not a place I ever fit in and feel like, you know, I want to be here. <laughs> well, I'm sure that shared that feeling is shared by a lot of people, especially the ones that want to leave their nine to five right now and go off on the road just like you. <laughs> mm -hmm. So talking about creating income here in the United States, how much did you save before you set off to do your long term travel and how are you able to budget it to last? So I've always had a rule of having at least two thousand dollars in savings when I land in a new place. Two to $3,000 is kind of my comfort zone. And then budgeting wise, you know, I, most places that I prefer to travel, which are, you know, third world countries, you know, street food is generally very cheap. Accommodations I can usually keep between, you know, five and $10 a night. And I'm a walker. You know, I don't, I take, I like taking local transportation. So it's like if I'm moving from one country to another, I'm not usually not flying. I'm usually overlanding it. And, uh, taking long bus rides or hitchhiking or I just I like to move very slowly and keep my budget at I mean nowadays my budget's at like $20 a day back when I was you know going really hard at this lifestyle stuff like it was you know in the $10 a day range which was super hard to do and I think really not that sustainable for a digital nomad who's trying to build something that's more for like a traveler but I, as a digital nomad and if I keep my budget around 20 bucks like I'm I'm good as gold. Like I'm eating well. I'm having a few beers at night. I have a comfortable private room, sometimes with a private bath. And, uh, and yeah, that's, you know, leaving with, and landing in that country with like two to three grand. Yeah, that reminds me of a book that Nomadic Matt wrote about uh, living off of $50 a day and you're doing it at $25 a day. So you definitely have some good secrets for that, huh? <laughs> Yeah, it's not a secret. It's just like, <laughs> I mean, I don't do anything that I really don't want to do. And I think for a lot of people who are traveling, I mean, they want to do a lot of touristic things, see things, um, museums, for example, or go on like paid, like guided tours. And I mean, my enjoyment is just like sitting and absorbing a culture and like watching it go by. And I don't really I don't do like elephant tours in Chiang Mai. It's just not where my head's at. Not It's not enjoyable to me. And so I save a lot of money doing it like that. And I think long-term travel, you also have that luxury to take your time to sit around and really absorb the culture. Like you said, you know, if you only have five days, you're, I don't know, for me, I definitely don't do that anymore. In my early 20s, I was like, Oh, my God, I got to see everything. Everything has to be so fast. I got to tick off as many countries. And now I'm like, I don't even know how many countries I've been in. Honestly, I don't really care. I want to know more about the country than how many I'm going to go to. So I think it's also different as time passes and um, your priorities become different. Yeah, I agree. And that's, I think, a normal sort of growth and evolution in, in us as humans and things are going to change and that's okay. Yeah. 
Now let's fast forward to 40 years from now, Chapman, and you're looking back at your life. What legacy would you like to leave and what do you want to be remembered for? I don't. I get this a lot. I don't have any desire to leave a legacy or be remembered for anything in particular. I think a byproduct of what I am doing with my podcast, since I'm recording myself and I keep my listeners in the loop with like the evolution of my business and my life and my lifestyle, both personally and professionally, that will be a legacy that I leave. But it's not something that is motivating to me or drives me in any way. You know, you hear a lot of these gurus talking about the legacy, the legacy, the legacy, like Pat Flynn talks about it and um, Chris Ducker. And it's like, that's not me, man. I don't care. (laughs) Well, it doesn't have to be in a big scale. You know, it could just be for people that really know and love you. Like, what would they remember you as? A good friend's uncle once said something (laughs) that was really profound. Yeah, And he was talking about, you know, dating and, and the females that you have in your life that maybe just doesn't work out. He said, if you ever, if you imagine all the females that you dated and it didn't work out with sitting at a table together, you always want their conversation to be positive about you. Mm-hmm. And I think if you talk about legacy and you talk about how I want to be perceived after I'm dead, I want everyone sitting at the table who knew me personally loved me says only positive things about me. And I only ever meant to do positive, loving things to the individuals that are sitting at a table and the world in general. You see, so that's a good one. (laughs) So what are you currently working on that is really exciting to you? I'm currently like pitching my podcast out to uh, bigger enterprises, maybe taking it in-house somewhere is a thought I've had, which I think sounds interesting to get a little bit more financial support allowing me a little bit more freedom to kind of stay in one place longer and really, I think, interview all the people that I want to interview because, you know, a lot of these little backwater towns have some fascinating expats that I'd love to spend more time with. I'm also developing a few new ideas to like put out there online, like a supplement company and just things that I'm really passionate about. You know, within this industry, a lot of people are talking about, you got to test the market, you got to do what the market wants, you know, just building brands because you want to build them isn't the right way to do it. And there's so much truth to that. But at the same time for me as an entrepreneur, like I can't get behind anything I don't believe in. So I'm taking the approach of, you know, finding the things that I know I can at least stay focused on and build and follow through on to deliver to the market rather than trying to just like find what the market wants. So the supplement company I'm really passionate about, that'll be all online, all automated, probably do it through like a fulfillment by Amazon. And then, um, yeah, I have a few other products that I'm considering. I might be going instead of, you know, digitized service uh, based businesses to more product based services, physical product based services. Mm. Now, if our listeners want to know more about you, where can they find you? Uh, Misfitsandrejects.com. That's my podcast and place of which you can hear about me. I give you like every 10 episodes an update on myself. I mean, if you happen to have an audience member who's a surfer and wants some online surf coaching, you can please reach out at a surf progression techniques. I'm more than happy to help you with uh, whatever questions you may have. And if you want me to make you like a little a video analysis of your surfing, kind of like imagine the golf swing, you know, people, you know, film themselves swing, swinging a golf club. Well, a lot of my clients film themselves surfing, send me the footage and I create little instructional videos for them. That is a really cool idea. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate you sharing your incredible journey with us. Debbie, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. 
I hope you enjoyed this interview with Chapin. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview where he shares how to create a successful online course. Hey friend, have you been wanting to start a podcast? I know it can be overwhelming in the beginning. Believe me, I have been there. Lucky for you, we have created a new site called howtocreatepodcast.com that shares a ton of freebies that can help you get started. From launching, growing to monetizing, we share it all in one place. Visit howtocreatepodcast.com for more information. Hey listeners, thank you for listening to this episode and I'm so thankful for your support. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode and get suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, and so much more. Feel free to reach out at hello at theoffbeatlife.com and let me know what you'd like to hear. If you like the show, don't forget to give us some love and review on iTunes. Thank you again for being a part of this journey, and I can't wait to hear how your location-independent story will unfold.